Now get out of here so that I can do my work. Thank you. <laughs> and we're, we're so excited about this series um, because we just know that there is such a need for this topic. I, I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We understand that uh, peace is something that keeps coming up. It keeps coming up in my conversations with um, in small group, it keeps coming up in my, uh, what I see online, it keeps coming up um, in just everywhere I look, every conversation. And so uh, this, this series, for the next few weeks, Your World Peace. Uh, I wrote the first draft of this message on April the 1st, and that was the day that the province announced what we're lovingly calling Shutdown 3.0. How do you like that? Shut down. We just lovingly, we might as well lovingly call it shutdown 3.0. And we knew that that's how I woke up this morning. Like I, uh, like I, I woke up that morning and I saw that announcement and I was like, oh, we're doing this. Okay. And um, that morning there was just, I knew there was just going to be a lot of stuff to do. Uh, there was just a lot of communication that we need to have, conversations we need to have, what was this going to mean and all of these kinds of things. And I really struggled to get the first few sentences of this message written on this page. Uh, when I tr That was what I had planned to do that morning. Because usually from 9 to 11, um, every weekday morning that I'm here, Monday to Thursday, uh, I'm, I'm working, I'm studying or writing a message. And so that's what I had planned. But honestly, I saw the article about shutdown 3.0 before I even got in the shower that morning, and I sh shouldn't have done that. I should have just left my phone in the garbage can or something like that. But nevertheless, that's how it was. And I kept thinking that morning, how am I supposed to focus on this message? How am I supposed to write this message? That's that's I'm going to be speaking 11 days from now when this is happening right now, and 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 to Easter weekend starts tomorrow. That's how it felt. That's how it felt. What am I, there are things to do. How can I possibly write a message for 11 days from now? There are things to do. That's how I felt. I'm fine now. Don't worry about me. But uh, so, so I got myself to a place where I was like, obviously I know this is what I need to do. But okay, let me, just, let me just open my study notes that I had already prepared. I'd already done my studying for the message. So let me just open my study notes. And I want to, I'm just going to, I'm going to write for an hour. I looked at my clock. I'm going to write for an hour, see how it goes, and go from there. So I'm like, okay, open my notes for this whole series. John, I didn't even mark it. I just, just kind of how I was doing. John 14, 27. I knew we were landing in John 14, verse 27. Let's just go to the notes. I'm going to write for one hour. That was my plan. And here's where we landed. I opened this and it said right at the top, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I was like, okay, I okay, Lord, I do not give to you as the world gives. The first thing I saw that morning, isn't that great? Just period, just that. And yeah, the truth is, I was afraid. I was afraid to open my social feeds that day. I knew what it was going to do. I knew what it was going to produce in my life, and I, it was going to be a whole lot of noise. So much noise was going to be in my mind. I knew it. And so as I started to type this message, I, I found myself doing something, I mean, I hope to always do, but specifically this time, to really lean into those study notes. To really, I was really like, Jesus, I, I've already done all of these, these notes, and I've read all of the, the commentaries, and I've, you know, taken down all the things that I thought. But what I really need, Jesus, is to find out what you really meant when you said this. And I need to be able to apply it to the things in my life right now. I want to hear, Jesus, how you give peace in a way that the world doesn't give. 
I'm really, really interested, Lord, in that. That's kind of was how I was approaching this. It was so timely. And I have a feeling that I'm not alone. Don't you want to hear how Jesus gives peace? Because the world's not great at it, though it does try. And so in this series, we're going to anchor ourselves in these words from Jesus from John 14 and find out what he meant, apply it to uh, the most common things that rob us of our peace. Uh, We're going to talk about division and drivenness, anger, comparison, fear, discouragement, and this morning, noise. And so that, that verse I read, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is saying this, and here's the context. Jesus is telling his disciples that just before this, so if you're looking in, in, in the scriptures this morning, you can see this right before he says uh, these, these sentences. Jesus is telling his disciples that the Father will send the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, and, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things and remind us of everything that Jesus said. And then he says, and, and so because of that, this is the gift I'm going to give to you through the Holy Spirit, peace. The Hebrew word, uh, though this wasn't written in Hebrew, this is in, the, in this Jewish context, the, the word would have been shalom. You've maybe heard that before. And shalom is not uh, a really... It's not a shallow version of that word peace. Shalom is a very big, robust word in the Hebrew language. It means total well-being. It means to be complete. Uh, It's the security that comes from being in the presence of God. It kind of encompasses all of these meanings. It kind of uh, means like everything in your life is working together for uh, for your highest good. It's not, a, it's not a passive word. It's not like peace being the absence of trouble. It's like peace is a way of walking actively through your life. That's what that word shalom meant to the, the Jewish people. And so Jesus here is giving, uh, giving, it to, giving this to us, this shalom, in direct contrast, he says, to what the world gives. So what is the world giving when we talk about peace? He says, like, I'm going to give you this peace, but I'm not going to give it to you as the world gives. What is the world's version of peace? Well, maybe on a, on a shallow level, it's avoidance or hiding. It's trying to escape a situation or uh, refusing to face things and burying things deep. That's part of it. But culturally, in this time when this was written, from about 27 BC to about 180 AD, there was something called Pax Romana, which was the peace of Rome. So uh, that was the Roman Empire uh, said that, okay, everybody under our our rule, we live under the peace of Rome. But the problem was that uh, this kind of peace, the the literal government of of the time was giving to them, had been won by the sword. And it was maintained by the sword. It was a violent sort of winning of peace. But that was something that they they were living in contextually at the time. So the world tries to give us peace in like, you know, just don't, you know, just don't have that confrontation. Just don't have that conversation. Just bury those feelings. Or from a, from a bigger point of view in this time, the Pax Romana, the, the government says, we are peaceful, okay? Like there's kind of like the winning of peace by the sword. And Jesus says, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about here. Jesus' peace isn't passive. It's not looking for escape. But in, in fact, Jesus says his peace is the reason that you don't have to be afraid. That's a new concept. Because he says that his fear, uh, his, his peace conquers fear in the middle 
of any and every experience because it's completely independent of the circumstances of your life and it can't be taken away. This is the kind of peace that we're talking about. And so if Pax Romana was maintained by the sword by the Roman Empire, Jesus won it in the very opposite way, by taking on wrath and malice and sin and the, and the death of the world. And, and uh, we, I actually was, was praying it this morning, but from Philippians 4, 7, it says that it's a peace that passes all understanding. That might be the way the old NIV says it or the King James, but that's how I learned it as a child, so you'll just, you'll excuse me. But uh, Philippians 4, 7, it says it transcends, maybe that's the new one, transcends understanding. No wonder it does. It's, it's a piece that doesn't look like, sound like, act like, isn't founded in any way that the world can give it, no matter from what angle you're thinking about it. And so you don't have to be troubled and you don't have to be afraid no matter what happens in life because he doesn't give peace the way the world gives it. Isn't that exciting to know? But Jesus' kingdom is an interesting thing to study because while he absolutely won victory over sin and death on the cross and he rose from the dead and he ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us and all of the incredible things about Easter weekend that we celebrated last week, the truth is that we are still here on the earth 2,000 plus years later. His kingdom, he said it himself, is here and near. It's both. We often refer to the tension of this fact that, uh, that all the things that Jesus won on the cross, but he hasn't come and, and, and established a new heaven and a new earth. He hasn't completed the whole transaction yet. We talk about this as the tension between the already, what Jesus has already done, and the not yet, the things that are yet to come in him establishing his kingdom. And so some things have been fulfilled. Some things are still yet to come. The victory, though, that he won on the cross still applies to our lives today. But he hasn't, um, he hasn't completely done everything that he says he's going to do. There are still some things that we're looking forward to that haven't yet come. And so the question for us then, especially in this series, we're going to explore how do we find or how do we receive that shalom, that kind of peace, that active, um, deep peace that pushes away fear. How do we, how do we live in that, uh, in the already, while we wait for the not yet? How do we find the peace that passes all understanding? How do we receive the gift that Jesus says he's giving us in here in the already, while we wait for the not yet? So this morning I want to tell you something that you already know. Uh, I want to tell you a popular way to work against it. And I want to tell you how Jesus takes that good idea and makes it effective and, more importantly, transformational in your life. So in short, this is what we're going to do now. I'm going to tell you how to find peace in a noisy world. Your world is noisy. Big surprise. Anybody notice that? You probably, maybe you don't because it's just, it's so normal. Your world is noisy. My world is noisy. The world is noisy. There's no surprise in that. I want you to think of the last time you experienced silence and sleeping does not count. Because most of you sleep with a noise machine or a fan on anyway and you know you do. But like sleeping doesn't count even if it's dead silent in your room. Other than sleeping, when was the last time you were actually silent and the world around you was silent? Think about it. Can you name a time? Pretty much everything. Even good spiritual practices, by the way, like worship, um, are layered with noise more often than they're not. <laughs> I wrote here, 
Heck, I even got an urgent phone call in the middle of writing this sentence. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what the phone call was, but my phone rang, and I was like, oh, I, I forget who it was, but I had to answer it for some reason. Uh, even in the middle of trying to do something that was a good spiritual practice, um, it's the, the world is a noisy place. Sometimes we can't help it. It literally is a byproduct of the world we live in. That's okay. Uh, we're working. We're raising kids. We're trying to stay connected with each other. All of those things require noise. Sometimes, though, we add noise to our lives. We have the TV that just always plays in the background. We have, we, we don't, you know, we don't go in our car or go for a walk or do anything without a podcast accompanying us in some way. Or um, we fill in the blank spaces in our lives, like waiting for something or whatever with our news feed scrolling, which is not maybe, you're like, I have it on mute. doesn't count. It's mental noise and you know it. Uh, we always have, sometimes we add noise to our lives. And, and, Sometimes we just do it out of habit, but often we do it because, to be honest, silence is awkward and unsettling a lot of times. Do you want to just have a moment here like that and see how it feels? <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. Science has taken notice of this. Of course, um, there's, there's a big curiosity and concern about the level of information that we receive every day in all of this noise that is a part of our lives. There's a lot of concern in the scientific community about how busy our lives are. Um, you've seen these studies on stress and anxiety, I'm sure. Um, new issues are being identified in the last several years, like adrenal fatigue. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of burnout. There's so many different kinds of anxiety disorders now. Science is becoming very concerned with how much is going on. Uh, there's a lot of attention being drawn then to practices that help us to combat the incessant noise of our busy lives. Uh, meditation is a, has made its way into mainstream um, in the last few years. It's not just for like, you know, people, you know, trying to, you know, I don't know even what, why you do it. Go off to some retreat and be weird and you're meditating. It's not even weird anymore. Everyone's just like, yeah, meditation is actually a great thing. It's made its way into the mainstream in the last few years. You hear about mindfulness a lot. There's, there's, uh, there are apps to remind you to do this, to help you do these kinds of practices, to slow down, to be present. These are words that you're hearing more and more often now. Here are some um, apps on the Apple Store, Apple App Store that have five stars. Are you ready? The Mindfulness app. That was the big one. Headspace. Calm. Bootify. That's the one I like the best. <laughs> Bootify. <laughs> Insight Timer. This one's good. Inscape. Get it? Not inscape. Huh? Simple habit. Then there's breathe. I breathe. Breathe plus. Literally apps to help remind you to breathe. Like these are some of the most popular apps in the Apple store. And there is just a, literally a growing awareness. We don't breathe enough as a culture. That's just so telling, isn't it? And I, I, really, I, I really love this. I can see that we need it in our world. We, we've got apps to help us because there's a recognition that something is off kilter here with how much noise is going on in our lives. I can see um, even so many of us have commented that even in the frustration of being um, in and out of lockdown and all the stuff that's happened in the last year, I've heard lots of you talk about the benefits of the calendar having to be cleared. Right? We've, had, we've had that conversation a few different times together about there have been some real benefits of clearing the calendar and helping us to reprioritize and not have so much busyness and activity so we can figure out what we want to do and who we really want to be as a family. Maybe you've heard stories of people who have started practicing meditation. I say this is like a really big thing in culture right now. And they probably talked about how 
much it helps them to navigate a crazy, the crazy world around them. And I do, I think that that's great. Um, the idea of slowing down, of being mindful of, the, of what's really happening in your life, of the, of the influences and the noise and the things that you're allowing into your mind, um, those kinds of practices can be really helpful. But I want to, sh- and I want to show you something from the Bible that's extremely cool, that God literally uh, built this into our DNA. He created us with rest built into our DNA. He never intended us to be drowning in noise and activity for 168 hours a week. Never. The rhythm of this rest is called Sabbath. Maybe you've heard that before. It's, um, it's written into the law for the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And God himself, the creator of the universe, the one who needs nothing, uh, he actually modeled this for the Jewish people and then, of course, for us. And it's not just one of, one of the 613 laws that were given to the Jewish people. This was in the Ten Commandments. So Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. In fact, uh, this commandment gets a, lot of, gets a lot of screen time, if you will. Uh, the fourth commandment says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. <laughs> I love this. I don't know how closely you've ever looked at this before, but you notice how, uh, how God actually has to tell you, tell us like, okay, I, you, know, you think you're going to rest, but that doesn't mean you can make your son and daughter work or your, or your servant or your ox even or your, or your foreigner people living, with you, living among you. Like, like literally this is for everybody. Like, he has to be very, very specific because he knows our tendency to figure out ways to get stuff done and not rest. Mark 2.27, Jesus is responding to the Pharisees criticizing him for picking heads of grain on the Sabbath as they, he was walking along with his disciples. And he said, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. In other words, it's not supposed to be, it wasn't meant to be um, a religious ritual. It was made for man. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. We need rest. We need quiet. We need to stop. We need Sabbath. And so what did Jesus say? I do not give to you as the world gives. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I love the idea. I love the idea of stopping, meditating, breathing, being present, stopping the hurry, especially because these things are not natural for me. I know some of you don't struggle the way that I do, but I'm just going to admit that my mind is busy all the time, like almost all the time. I've got things, I'm thinking about what's for lunch right now, and I'm, I'm doing, no, not quite, not quite that. Right now I'm pretty focused, but generally speaking, my mind is busy all the time. My calendar is full nearly all the time. I don't do bored very well. Uh, last weekend, we had such a, a beautiful long weekend, and um, I think it, I don't know which day of the weekend it was, but I didn't have anything else going on. Everything was sort of done. The chores were done. And, uh, and I went through a bin of uh, cables and cords. I don't know if you have one of these in your home. You probably do. It's one of the ones that my husband will always say, yeah, 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 no, no, we, we need that stuff. And I was like, do we? You know, like, whatever. It's an ongoing thing. And so I decided to take every cable out and organize it based on type. 
And then I texted Rob from the basement and said, can you just come down here for five minutes? I need, a, I need some help real quick. He comes down and he sees that I've just laid all this stuff out. And he, his, his comment was, hmm, I love it when you're bored. That's so great. This is great. And mind you, uh, we did, we were able to organize that in a very short period of time, but that's not the point. I don't do biz, I don't do board very well. I understand that. I fully admit it. I gladly confess it to you this morning because I will also say I am being reformed. Slowly and surely, I am being reformed. And it's coming in a, in a way that is a little bit similar to Breathe, um, I Breathe, Breathe Plus, the apps, but, but with an important and very, very powerful distinction. I'm not uh, learning in my life to be present and quiet and still with myself. Because that's, that's the way that these apps will lead you through, which, is, can have so much, which really can have so much benefit. But what I'm learning to do now um, is to do these things so that I can be in the presence of God. And, and it's not about me being the best me that I can be and living my best life. It's about... Um, becoming more like Christ in this process and learning to live like my best life is still to come. So there's an important distinction here when it comes to these practices of Sabbath and restfulness and mindfulness and, 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 and pushing aside the hurry that happen uh, uh, very particularly and are, are given to us in Scripture. See, the world piles on more than you can handle more than you were designed to sustain, more than tools like the mindfulness app can actually long-term help you solve. But Jesus shows us a better way. If you have a picture of Jesus in your mind, that's him like wandering around, you know, with dusty, dusty roads with his disciples just chillaxing and like petting sheep and like that was his life. You may, I mean, just want to reframe that a little bit for you today. One commentator said like this, there was to be no rest for Jesus. He was all, always he was under the scrutiny of hostile and critical eyes. The opposition had crystallized and there was but one end. See, he had people clamoring for him, wanting a miracle, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly. All the while, important people were looking for ways to trap him in his words. They were plotting to kill him behind his back. And I, I can't even imagine what kind of stress that Jesus lived under with all of this going on. Jesus knew this, and before he met the opposition, he withdrew to pray. The love in the eyes of God compensated him for the hostility in people's eyes. God's approval nerved him to meet human criticism. He drew strength for the battle of life from the peace of God. And it is enough for his disciples that they should be as their Lord. So in other words, Jesus didn't just meditate with the mindfulness app to start his day. He strategically found space for silence and solitude and stillness so that he could pray. He certainly did observe the Jewish Sabbath as it was found in the law, except for when he picked heads of grain and healed people, which made people really mad. But again, he did observe the Jewish Sabbath. But more importantly, he Sabbathed as a practice. Technically, I looked it up. It's not Sabbath. It is actually um, sabbatized is the actual verb there. It just sounds really ugly, so we're going to say Sabbath. Is that cool? We're just going to make it up. It's not, it's not correct in the English language, but we're going to say Sabbath because sabotized sounds awful. So, okay. Uh, Jesus made tough decisions all the time to get alone and be with God. Like he did it constantly. 
It's all throughout scripture, if you're paying attention to this. In Luke chapter 5, it says this, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He did this when he was tired, from Matthew 14. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountainside to, by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. He invited others to join him when they were tired and he knew it. Uh, Mark chapter, chapter 6 records this. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Jesus did this to process his grief. When he heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, Mark, Matthew 14 says, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He did this to get direction and to help him make decisions. Mark uh, chapter 1 says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus said, let us go somewhere else. Not what the crowd wanted him to do, but what he knew was the next right thing because he had been alone with the Father. He did it again in, in Luke chapter 16, records, one of uh, those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night uh, praying to God. When morning came, what did he do? He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. He did this when he needed direction. In all of the noise, and all of the literal push and shove of the crowd, in the expectations that people had of him, he fought to hear the voice of God, even above his own mindfulness and peace. He didn't just hide to get alone, to get away from people, to take a few hours to binge Cobra Kai on Netflix. Like, that's not what he was doing when he was trying to get some rest. He purposefully shut off the noise and he went to hear from the Father again and again and again and again. Mindfulness will teach you to be still and gain some perspective on the day. It can help you calm your emotions. Vacations and positive affirmations and gratitude journaling and healthy eating and exercise, all of these things have value. We know that. Science will tell you that. But the Sabbath will teach you to move beyond yourself into the purposes and plans that he has for you and let him transform you, not just calm what's already happened, but transform you into his real, lasting, conquering peace that's given by a gift through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. This is the call. This is the call, to live as we were created to live, to know peace in a noisy world. This is the call. And so here's what it's going to take for you to be able to have peace in a noisy world. These are my four things you can add to this list. And in fact, I would love to hear from you this morning. Uh, if there's anything that you do in your life that really helps you uh, to practice some of these things. So the, the, first time, the first thing I will say this, if, if you want to have peace in a noisy world and you want to try some of the things that Jesus modeled for us, getting alone and being quiet and going to a solitary place, so we'll call these silence and uh, solitude that are great as a spiritual discipline, you have to practice. <laughs> Let me just tell you this, you have to practice just like anything else. Most of us, it's not going to come naturally to us. You're going to have to try a few different times of day, maybe a few different 
physical spaces to be in. You have to see what works for you. You're going to have to practice it in different ways and, and figure out how, how can I do this? Where can I go? I, I, I have a big family or I have a really busy job or um, I have a bunch of roommates or whatever it is. And how am I going to practice? You're going to have to practice to see what was going to really work for you. You're also going to have to do some planning. Uh, this is a big one. You have to be intentional intentional, and make this part of your day. Um, I will put this into my calendar, uh, very specific times that I'm going to do this because if it doesn't show up in my calendar, it doesn't show up in my life. Some of you are not that rigid or you're just better at remembering things. Bless you. I am not. Um, so you have to plan it out. Some of you are saying, how could I work full time and I've got kids, I could never do this. Maybe with you and your spouse, you could say, hey, um, I want to put, like, a few hours on the calendar. Um, could you, you know, do something with the kids and then, you know, we can switch off and I'll do that for you next weekend or whatever. Like, you gotta, you're going to have to do some planning to make these kinds of things work. It's also going to take patience. Oh, man, so much patience because if you, if you don't have a habit of being quiet, of, of being able to quiet yourself in your mind and, and be able to pray, um, it will take you some. It will take you some practice. That's okay. It will take some patience for you, because <laughs> because um, you're immediately going to go. Ah, this doesn't work for me. You know, whatever. Just be patient as you as you retrain your thinking, as you retrain your spirit. Um, some of you said, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. You you definitely definitely can. It's built right into your DNA, but it will take some patience. You were made for that. You were made to hear from from the Father. You were made to hear from your Creator. Just be patient as you learn as you learn a new discipline. And the fourth one is persistence. Oh, you got to stay with it. Like most things that are worth doing in life, it has a cumulative effect. It's like you don't eat a salad for lunch today and then step on the scale and be like, why? Why did that not work? You know, like you, it's a, it's a healthy eating is a cumulative effect for your overall health. Um, this is exactly the same thing in your spiritual life. You will and not be once and done. This is not like, you know, five minutes of silence and why is my, why is my mind still busy? Like, it will take some persistence. Um, so if you want to know how to have peace in a noisy world, follow the example of Jesus. Take the time to practice, plan, have patience and persistence because it is worth following his example, getting away and hearing from God.